I know yes, good morning to you once again. If you are just joining us today, it's a pleasure to have you here at gospelbellsradio.com. It's Monday, the 29th of August. Let's say the 29th. It's Monday, the 28th. The 28th of August, 2023. The program is On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives on News and Current Events. My name is Olufemi Oguntoku. You can follow me on Twitter at Olufemi OG and you can follow Gospel Bells Radio on Twitter at gospelbellsradio.com. Let's begin this morning by engaging with this news. On Tuesday, August 22, newspapers in Nigeria including The Guardian, in its online edition, reported that eight core members and a driver were kidnapped in Zamfara State. Eight core members, that is eight members of the National Youth Service Corps. I want to take this report. It says gunmen have adopted eight National Youth Service Corps members in Zamfara State. The Guardian learned that the core members were traveling in Akwa Ibom Transport Company bus from Uyo Akwa Ibom to Shokuto State for the one-year national service when their vehicle was intercepted by the hoodlums. A source in the transport company who pleaded anonymity because he was not authorized to speak on the incident confirmed the incident yesterday. In the bus, according to the source, were 11 core members and the driver, but three of the core members escaped. The eight core members were abducted alongside the driver, and uh, the, the source told the Guardian, quote, they left Uyo on Friday and slept over in Abuja. It was when they were proceeding to Shokoto that they were kidnapped. The core members were offloaded from the bus and taken into the bush as the police have recovered the bus. And of course, we have other details here saying that the incident has been reported to the authorities and security agencies uh, and at about 9.14 a.m. on Sunday. That's, that's not tomorrow, that's not uh, yesterday, but uh, the person, the a Facebook user, another person, Malaki Blazed, identified one of the abducted core members as Emmanuel Esudwe, a graduate of agricultural and environmental engineering from the Akwai Bomb State University. I mean, the details are there, uh, but the substance of the story is that we still have rampaging in this country and in this country uh, kidnappers who seem to have free reign especially in the north and two days later after that news broke two days later after that news broke uh there's this we found this report on punch on the online uh, platform of the punch newspaper saying that eight uh, no no from the punch i'm sorry are uh, saying that Military and the police begin search for kidnapped Zamfara Corps members. The military and police begin search for kidnapped Zamfara Corps members. Ordinarily, one would say, wow, okay, this is good. Uh, this is a good development that we have now. Uh, the military and the police stepping in to help help rescue uh, these core members who we must, I mean, for all intents and purposes, describe as innocent core members because, I mean, what have they done? These are, these are just uh, newly uh, graduated persons from the Aqua Bomb State University and perhaps some other investors as well uh, signing up uh, for that compulsory one-year service uh, with the NYSA. Well, ordinarily, you, you read... An headline like this, and you suppose in your heart that well, this is good news that the military and uh, and and the police have stepped in. But the question is, which we must ask ourselves right now: Has historically speaking, has the involvement of the military and police been helpful in rescuing kidnapped victims in Nigeria in recent times? 
That's a question we have to answer. And uh, as some will say, well, the answer is blowing in the air as the involvement of the military and police historically been helpful in rescuing kidnapped victims. Well, even if you cannot answer that question, I can help you. And by helping you, I'm going to read of another account from that same uh, punch report. Uh, because deep down in that report about the military and the police stepping in to rescue those kidnapped court members, it's another story, another related story, tangentially related. This, this report says, meanwhile, and I'm quoting from the report directly, quote, meanwhile, another NYC member, Miss Esther Conde, with call-up number... Uh, the call-up number is stated, who was kidnapped on Wednesday, August 16, while on her way to the NYC permanent orientation camp in Nasarawa State and released on Saturday, August 19, has revealed that the sum of 1 million naira was paid to secure her freedom from the den of her abductors. Now I know uh, that many people listening from Nigeria today will, will probably not be shocked by this, but the reason why we bring these things up is that we must not become uh, our our collective conscience must not become so 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 callous and so toughened to the extent that these things do not shock us again. Uh, the the thing to lament about this country is that we have so many items of horrible news that. We tend not to be shocked again. Uh, but this is, a, this is a case, a reported case, verified uh, verified case as uh, as reported by Point newspaper of another core member who was kidnapped on the 16th and whose family had to pay one million naira to secure our freedom. Remember, we are bringing this up in the same vein uh, that we are bringing up the story that the military and the police have stepped in to rescue those eight core members kidnapped on their way to Shokuto State uh, from Akwai Bomb State University. Again, we are bringing it up against the backdrop of that question we posed, that rhetorical question, the question of whether, historically speaking, the involvement of the military and the police have been helpful in rescuing kidnapped victims in Nigeria. And of course, uh, time will not permit for us to go through all the recent cases of kidnapping in Nigeria. Remember uh, that uh, that one that caught the attention of many people and lasted for, for days, for months. Remember in the twilight days of the administration of former President Mamoru Bari, those who were kidnapped uh, on the Abuja Cardinal Road. You remember that incident when a train was attacked, when one Dr. Chinelu was killed, and then many others abducted. The report was that uh, from those who were eventually released, and I think thankfully all of them were eventually released, there was no uh, casualty recorded in that uh, in that kidnapping incident. Of course, I've mentioned Dr. Chinelu, uh, Chinelu who died, and God bless her soul. We must never forget her. I must always uh, bring that to consciousness for the sake of bringing the government to account. But in terms of those who were kidnapped, all of them eventually were released. I hope I'm right about that as, as far as I know. But many of them in, who, are, who later spoke with journalists confirmed that their families raised the ransom money. They paid ransom uh, to, to these kidnappers. 
and that's really sober us. I want to I want to read more about the case of that Miss Esther Kondewu confirmed that her family paid one million naira. According to this report, again from the Punch newspaper, the online platform, it says, "Quote: Family sources had confirmed to the Punch on Saturday that the kidnappers demanded a ransom of one million naira, adding that the police." were nonchalant about the situation while the NYC urged the family to pay the ransom. Do you hear that? NYC, an arm of the government, a government institution, according to this this family, confirmed that the NYC urged them to pay the ransom. So that paints to you what picture? Is that not the picture of helplessness, even from the government where they were? Uh, sometimes you hear the government say, look, I mean, I mean a government institution anyway, uh, saying, uh, maybe you should just pay the ransom. Just try and raise it and pay it. And you know, the life of your daughter is, is of utmost importance. Don't wait for the police. I mean, I mean, there seemed to be that quiet consensus, not spoken out loud, but that that consensus that look, hey, don't don't rely on the police. You dare not rely on the police if uh, the life of your loved one matters to you. If the life of your loved one matters to you, maybe you should just take uh, take take uh, take it into your hand and do what is needful. I do pray that none of us will fall into into that situation. It can be quite horrible, horrible. In fact, I, I recall that a member of our community here on Gospel Best Radio once sent a prayer request uh, concerning a sister who was kidnapped, you know, somewhere in the south-south on a Sunday after church service. Uh, we thank God that uh, she was returned alive, but, you know, ransom was paid. Ransom was paid. So this report says that uh, that Miss Esther, in a telephone interview with a correspondent from the Point newspaper, gave full details of, the, of her abduction and subsequent release. When asked about her release, Esther revealed, I spent four days from Wednesday. I was released on Saturday. The incident happened on Wednesday. They released me on Saturday after collecting money from my parents. So they actually requested money. At first, they were requesting 300 million naira. Then later, it was reduced to 100 million naira. Then after begging, it was, re- it was reduced to... To one million naira, they asked my dad to bring the money to Abaji. So I don't know how it happened there because I know that I know they delayed him. He was there since twelve, and they attended to him by nine. So after they collected the money, they later released me. And we must thank God that they released that. They released that. I mean, that is how bad it has become uh, for uh, the secret security situation in Nigeria. So much so that, notwithstanding that the the young girl was kidnapped, notwithstanding that her, her father had to cough out uh, one million naira, notwithstanding that her father had to to brave, you know, the odds. You know what what, what it must have taken for for that man. Uh, it must have it must have prayed uh, all day, you know, uh, to, to take the money into, into a forest and to have been made to wait from 12 to 9. I mean, they could have killed him. And, and, and that's not just a wide conjecture, you know, uh, from verified stories, even from Nigeria, stories of these hoodlums, these criminals, these evil people who, even after receiving the ransom money, will kill both the kidnapped person and the, uh, and the courier, uh, the person who carried the ransom money to them. And that's as sad as it comes. It's a horrible, horrible situation indeed. I was at a at, at a meeting yesterday, and just before we started that meeting, I mean, there was small talk, and somebody was discussing that that incident, the incident of of that elderly woman who was stabbed uh, by her housemaid. I do not know whether you you read of that story. Uh, that elderly woman who was stabbed by her housemaid uh, in a private estate somewhere in Keja, and I happened to be in that meeting with the chairman of that 
of the resident association for that for that private estate and of course everybody lamented what happened and lamented what is happening in this country remember that last week we brought up on this on this program the case of Uh, the, the, the case of the aide to one of the serving senators who was killed by people now suspected to be members of the armed forces because they wanted to steal his car and there was that there was that uh, viral message on social media saying that if you are driving a flashy car if you are driving a new car if you are driving uh, the the kind of uh, luxury car that would appeal to uh, to kidnappers you better be careful don't drive at night because now uh, it is not just miscreants and hoodlums who are doing these things but people in uniform whether whether hoodlums uh, are disguising themselves by putting on uniforms or uniformed men are, are acting in an undisciplined and criminal manner uh, we cannot ascertain but it would appear uh, that indeed uh, we have uniformed men members of the armed forces those who are supposed to be gentlemen and officers who are now uh, not only acting as criminals but but really really committing crimes who have become criminals and these all these put together say a lot about our situation in nigeria today uh, at that meeting I, I spoke about earlier someone concluded saying that not even concluded, someone lamented saying that in nigeria today it is not safe to live alone that if you are living alone it's not safe because hey uh, that uh, that house help could do uh could do damage or, or could do some some uh, evil to you as we read it's not safe to drive alone because as we discovered last week from this report last week uh, that aide of the senator who was killed and and his and his car taken away uh, that man who was sent on an errand to deliver a 2022 corolla to abuja who was killed and the 22 corolla stolen uh, so that, that person is not safe to live alone it's not safe to drive alone and now we are reading this report of these girls uh, so just say girls these these students who were kidnapped on their road to sign up for the compulsory nyc service now we are reading of them all of them traveling in a bus and all of them kidnapped so we can we can now even lament and say that it's not even safe to travel even in the company of others where is it safe to be in this country that's going was asked now where is it safe to be in this country and that's not something to be taken for granted again i repeat it these things we must bring them up these things we must talk about them uh, and because because we must not make them become the new normal how can it become the new normal uh, for this country for those of us on the lord's side we know that the most important thing to do right now is to pray for this nation i understand that there are secularists out there who when you bring up the issue of praying for this nation they immediately snare and say well we've been praying since well since forever and is that all we're going to do i say that's not all we're going to do but that is the most important thing we can do it may not be all that we can do indeed it is not all that we can do it is not all that we should do but it is the most important thing to do indeed it is the most effective thing to do uh james 5 6 you know james 5 6 and uh th these are passages that must continue to encourage us that we must never take uh for granted it says the effective fervent prayer of the righteous avails much we have to we have to look at that uh, at that scripture and look at it again and celebrate it and hold on to it and make it milk it make it as, as you would make a cow make it for all the treasure all the treasure therein the effective fervent prayer of the righteous availed more it avails meaning that it leads it, it brings result it brings result uh, i'm not able to bring up other 
I'm not able to immediately bring up other versions of uh, of that scripture, but I know that the New Living Translation has uh, a beautiful way of putting it. Okay, I find it now. No, 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 I've not found it. But uh, just so I can find it before now. But the point I'm trying to make is that this is a, a, a scriptural verse that. That we must make for all its work. Okay, it's James five sixteen. Uh, I had James five six in my head. It says James, James five sixteen. Uh, the New Living Translation, James five sixteen b says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful result. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So uh, let, we must not join the secularists uh, in snaring and saying, what can prayer do? We must not even become dejected and say, I would be praying forever. Our Lord said, well, men ought to pray. Christians ought to pray and not faint. Uh, I would say and I say it again, there are many things we can do about this about decision in this country. There are many things we should do but of all of them, the most important, the one we must never... Uh, forsaken doing the one we must ever give up on is praying is praying for this nation let us pray for this nation let us pray uh for for the government let us pray that the lord will bring to account we bring to ridicule will expose uh, those who are behind this kidnapping enterprise let us pray for those who are in the den of kidnappers and i always trust as many times that the spirit reminds me to pray even for those who don't know just pray generally for God's people, of God's people who are in captivity anywhere in this country, anywhere in the world, because the prayer of those who have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, it counts. It counts. It has great power and it produces wonderful results. Secondly, as someone wrote on Twitter that the government cannot be allowed to abandon the families to their fate. And that is true. We must not allow the government to abandon the, the families of these people to their fate. We must also call the government to account. We must not stop in calling the government to account. Uh, religious leaders and, and preachers at every opportunity must raise up, must raise this issue. Indeed, our politicians must must not uh, be allowed to rest. It is one of the roles, one of the uh, one of the cardinal roles of the government to secure people, to punish the wrongdoer, and to act as God's servant for good. And 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 that has biblical basis. You have to go to uh, go to Romans, Romans thirteen four. In Romans thirteen four, you find uh, biblical authority for the existence of government and a description there. Do a very short one. A description of the role of the government in the society. Uh, Paul wrote. He, he wrote in Romans thirteen four. He said for the one in authority, that's the government, the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Is God's servant for your good. Meaning that those in government must act in the interests uh, of the good of the citizens. And that will bring to mind, you know, the preamble to the U.S. Constitution, where in that preamble, it says that government exists for the good of for the good of the people, meaning that government must exist and must be seen to be acting in what is the best interest of the people to preserve uh, to preserve certain rights and the welfare of the people. Uh, that's what the preamble says, uh, the preamble to the U.S. Constitution, uh, and this has basis in, in scriptural, in scriptural, uh, has basis in the scripture. The preamble to the U.S. Constitution says, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, 
to, in order to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, in order to provide for the common defense, to promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States. And right there, you find the basis for having human government. Uh, so take Romans 13.4 and take the preamble to the U.S. Constitution, even the preamble to the to the National Constitution of, of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. You find similar uh, similar wordings there, uh, similar things conveyed there that the government must exist uh, for the good of the people. The government must be seen to be doing something in defense of the welfare of the people. And then uh, in, in in part B of Romans 24, Paul wrote saying they, that is the government, they are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So one, you expect the government uh, biblically speaking to act for the good of the people. Second, you expect the government to be effective in punishing the wrongdoer as the government of Nigeria be effective in doing this no it has not when a government has as as proved incompetent uh, to do this thing then there is need for the citizens to call the government out there is this need for the citizens to speak out and say that no uh, you have failed in this in this cardinal in this in this all important purpose you have failed to achieve this objective we have to question our government we have to call them to account we have to make them pay how do them pay and when i say when i make them pay i'm not saying we let go out on the street and beat up people and burn out houses or, or not or even protest i think there must be some consequence to these things and that is why many of us and, and again i apologize to those who uh, fervently support the all progressive congress that's why many of us felt affronted that the people of nigeria would vote in a, a party that has proven that, that has proved so incompetent in the past uh, under whose watch such egregious and 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 abhorring things took place there must be consequences as long as there are no consequences people in government would suppose uh, that they are doing well they will suppose that well uh, that that those citizens don't really mind uh, that they have not failed in their deed. there must be consequences to these things and it is important for our electoral systems to become even more credible and for the electorate to understand the power that they uh, they have to vote out to vote out incompetence and to vote out uh, lackadaisical, uh, lackadaisical reactions uh, to uh, to these matters. Hey, I've mentioned this. We have to lament the helplessness of the government in the face of all this. But maybe it's not just helplessness. Maybe it's not just it's it's, it's not just uh, incompetence. Maybe it's complicity. And that even makes it worse that it could be complicity. Uh, this is so sad. Again, I, I go back to what I think is the most important thing. Not what I think. What the Bible says is the most important thing. What history has proven to be the most important thing. Prayer, prayer, prayer. prayer. Let us pray for this girl. Why am I saying girls? Maybe the case of that other lady uh, who was released and paid the one million naira ransom. Let us pray for all the people who are in captivity, especially the case of these uh, these eight core members from the Akwa Bomb State University uh, who are still in captivity. That the Lord will preserve them. You know, somebody was writing on Twitter that it's not only uh, the agony of being kidnapped in the bush; it is also the prospect of them being abused. They could be abused and traumatized in other ways. Let us pray that the Lord will preserve them that they will be released and that and that in in their case all will end well and what is more important that in this country the lord indeed will take control in jesus name amen
Thank you for staying with us this morning. And next, we want to go to this story. This story we have titled No Hiding Place. No Hiding Place. A U.S. court uh, in Maryland has, has ruled that parents can't opt kids out of LGBTQ plus curriculum. It is not a fundamental right. That's what the court ruled in the state of Maryland in the United States, saying that, see, uh, you as a parent cannot opt out of this. You're, if the school wants to teach uh, these things, the school can teach it. Uh, I want to take the report from foxnews.com. It says a federal court in Maryland decided Thursday that parents can't opt kids out of reading books with LGBTQ content in Montgomery County schools. In the case titled Tama Mahmoud and Monica B. McKnight, parents sought to reinstate a policy that would allow them to opt their children out of reading and discussing books with LGBTQ plus characters in elementary schools. The parents argued the content in these books was a form of indoctrination that violated their family's religious beliefs. And I want to ask you, do you agree with that line of argument? That was the argument of the parent in court. They said, well, uh, we may not even, we, 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 uh, I suppose, and, and I'm trying to rephrase the argument. They, they're probably saying, see, uh, we can acknowledge that perhaps for those in tertiary institutions, uh, perhaps for those in secondary schools, maybe they, maybe there could be some argument justifying why they need to be taught these things. But but for those, uh, for those in elementary schools, uh, those whose uh, whose minds are just being formed. Remember what John Locke said: the mind of a child is like a tabula rasa, an empty slate. What what, what happens? The world proceeds to write its impression on those hearts, and that's so true. Uh, there, so the parent essentially argues that look, uh, that should be a policy where if the school would teach something that is controversial, something that violates the religious beliefs of certain families, and those families should be able to opt their kids out out of those things. But the court ruled against them. Uh, first, uh, now, this time I've not confirmed, but I'm looking at the names of the parties to the case. I see a Tama Mahmoud and Monica B. Bright. Monica B. Bright will probably be the person representing uh, representing the county. But you see, uh, the, it's the Mahmoud that caught my attention. And the point is this. We find in many parts of Europe, in Canada and in the United States, that it is the Muslim community uh, who... Uh, that has been in the in the vanguard of the fight against this indoctrination because it is indoctrination. It is indoctrination when school uh, authorities now consider it so important, so germane to teach uh, to teach LGBTQ plus issues to people in elementary schools. It is indoctrination, and now they they they, they are not even hiding it. Those who are not on the Lord's side, they are not hiding it. They want to do these things. Uh, Notwithstanding that you say it's indoctrination, but you see, when we talk about indoctrinating us, uh, our children about the way of God, the will of God, so people say, look, don't indoctrinate people. Don't do leave them. Let them grow up and make, their, uh, and make up their own minds. No, that's not what the Bible wants us to do. The Bible wants us to indoctrinate us to, uh, our children. In fact, the Bible mandates us to indoctrinate them. That is what the Bible uh, mandates us to do. Now, uh, the court disagree with the argument of the parent there. The judge, according to this report, Judge Deborah L. Bodman, a Biden appointee, concluded that parents, quote, asserted due process right to direct their children's upbringing by opting out of a public school curriculum that conflicts with their religious views 
is not a fundamental right. That is, uh, the rights asserted by the parents, uh, that they have uh, the right asserted by parents to opt out children out of curriculum that conflict with their religion is not a fundamental right. I mean, we, we hope uh, that this case will find its way up to the Supreme Court, but I, I can... I, I can I can imagine the legal reasoning that even the court will be forced to adopt. The legal reasoning that the court will be forced to adopt. It will be a difficult decision for for, uh, for, for the court to say that uh, parents can opt out. Uh, but, but there are other ways. There are other ways. Parents can also uh, also try to be on the boards of these schools and try to influence uh, what uh, curriculum a, a school adopts. And, and so the, this calls to mind for us on the law side the reality of of the enormous powers weighed by those in government. When when people are in government, uh, they have so much influence of, about what is taught in schools and what is not taught. And that is why, at the end of the day, even if we admit as people on the Lord's side that the ultimate solution to societal problems does not lie in the government, even if we admit that, and we do admit that, uh, that the ultimate solution lies not in government, we must also admit that, uh, that the government has enormous influence over so many things. And as they often say in Christian circles in the U.S., elections have consequences. We must be, we must be participants. We cannot be. Uh, we cannot just. Be, we have to be participants, both as electorate and 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 as those who uh, who who jostle to occupy elective offices. Because elections have consequences. You elect secularists into office. You elect people who are not God fearing into office. And what you find, you find that they exert so much influence about what is taught in. in your children's school and also in many other areas but i won't say that i would say that for, for those of us on the lord side uh, the battle should not be so much about what our children are taught in schools right i would say the battle should not be so much about what our children are taught in school but much more about what we teach our children and again this this takes me back to to john locke that uh, that that quote attributed to John Locke, that philosopher, who said, uh, the mind of a child is like, is like a tabula rasa. And what happens is the world proceeds to write uh, our impression on that tabula rasa. Tabula rasa means a, 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 a clean slate, a clean slate, a new slate, a clean slate. I mean, just imagine a clean slate or, or a blank sheet of paper. The mind of a child is like a blank sheet of paper, just white, blank. What happens is uh, that child would become as what is written on that blank sheet of paper on that blank slate so so while what is taught in our schools is important and we should mind and to pay attention i i would say it is more important what is taught in the home what is taught in the home because i mean you look at this imagine a child who has been brought up in the mold of deuteronomy 6 7 imagine a child who has been brought up in the mode of deuteronomy 6 7 that's a child. That would be a child who has been taught, who has been diligently taught by the by, by the parents, who must have had the, the parent talking about the loss of God in the house while they walk on the way, while they lie down, when they rise, when they sit down to eat. Well, that, that's what Jeremiah six seven says. It says, "Impress them on your children. Impress the law of God on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Talk about them. So uh, imagine children who have been who have who have benefited from the Deuteronomy six seven uh, principle, whose parents have abided by the Deuteronomy six seven injunction. Imagine children like that. Yes, they get to school." 
And they get to hear these other things from their teacher. You know what they would do? They would get back to them and say, Dad, this is what my teacher told me. This, this runs contrary to what we discussed yesterday. And then you have the opportunity to sit them down and say, yes, this is again and what the Lord is saying. When the Lord says, go this way, it is because there are other ways as well. And now you have the culture trying to teach you uh, to go the other way. Yes, there is mathematics and arithmetic and English. Pay attention to them. But anything that runs counter to the will of God, do not offend your God. I mean, at, at least the fact that you've taught them that you first written on that tabula rasa uh, gives an opportunity for even those children to to have questions raised in their heart. But imagine uh, that you are dealing with children whose first contact with these matters happens to be in those schools, in such schools. Imagine what's going to happen. And we cannot shake that duty. When somebody tells you, don't indoctrinate your children, just sneer at them and look at them with that, with that infamous sad eye and say, just leave me. I must obey my God. You must indoctrinate your children. It is not only in their best interest. It is what the Lord has demanded of you impress them on your children keep talking about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get in the final analysis it is the lord himself who can who, who can safeguard the heart and mind of our children and uh, beyond impressing them beyond impressing the laws of god on them beyond teaching them beyond correcting them beyond disciplining them that we will pray pray that the lord himself will touch your children and take out the heart of stone and put the heart of flesh, the heart of flesh that can react, that can that, that can be affected uh, by uh, by the guilt of not not being on the Lord's side. Okay, and our next story is titled Charlatans Everywhere. Charlatans Everywhere. Charlatans Everywhere. Fake people everywhere. This story caught my attention. Fake doctor nabbed at Covenant University during during job interview. I got this story from uh, NigerianLawyer.com. I also find it uh, reported on on punchng.com and it says that a fake doctor identified as Abuwolo Omenka. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Apologies for that. We should not be apologies for but, but apologizing to somebody who passes himself as a doctor. But I'm sorry for not uh, calling I, I, I may not have called that name correctly. Uh, Abuwolo Omenka has been caught by the Association of Nigerian Private Medical Practitioners while trying to apply as a medical officer at the Covenant University Medical Center Otter in the shop, in this in the Songo area of Ogun State. I mean think about that. Somebody trying to pass himself off as a doctor. I mean, think of the danger that person would pose uh, to the general public and then was trying to get an employment uh, with the Covenant University Medical Center in Ottawa. Punch Healthwise gathered that Omenka had applied for the position of a medical officer and reportedly presented fake credentials, which included a photocopy of the Medical and Dental Council of Nigeria Registration Certificate issued in 2015. The 35-year-old suspect also presented a certificate from the Benue State University where he claimed to have obtained a Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery and graduated with a second-class upper division. It was gathered that the suspect who worked as an auxiliary nurse at some private hospital was caught during a job interview held at the Covenant University Medical Center while being scrutinized by three doctors about his credentials. Omeka's cover was blown after he failed to justify why his MDCN 
registration number was the same as those who got the certificate four decades ago. Amazing. Amazing. And I hope you add that. This, this gentleman uh, wanted to pass himself off as a duly uh, qualified uh, medical doctor in Nigeria. He presented a certificate uh, appearing to be to have been issued uh, by the Medical and Data Council of Nigeria in 2015. Uh, but those who interviewed him, uh, thankfully, uh, they were diligent enough to make inquiries. They looked at his uh, at the certificate set to have been issued by the Medical and Data Council of Nigeria, and they discovered that well, uh, the serial number was the same as the serial number of those who got their certificate four decades ago. He must have gone back and must have looked at his certificate issued about four decades ago, and he just copied the number. And and that must be the word, the Lord at work, you know, trying to save some people out there uh, from being subjected to that charlatan, and he led those people at the interview view panel to pay attention to that serial number that gave him that gave him what we do hope that he will face the consequences of his action but that should remind us those of us on the lord side even as we acknowledge that well uh, there are so many of them out there you know you just we just walk into a consulting room and somebody is seated there the person is addressed as a doctor you assume the person is a doctor and you listen to the person and take medical advice from that person i do i do pray that you will not fall a uh, victim of this of these charlatans in jesus name but this is another occasion for us to be reminded that even those of us on the lord side we have been warned by our lord uh, that there are false prophets. So charlatans have always been, perhaps will always be, indeed will always be, if we must uh, abide by what the Bible teaches. Remember uh, from Matthew 7, uh, from verse 15, our Lord warning us, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So like those people on that interview panel, I think it behoves on all of us to always pay attention, all of us to always pay attention and to ask ourselves and say, hmm, let uh, me ask questions, ask questions, test all spirits as, uh, as we, uh, we were reminded yesterday for those who joined uh, our Readers Club meeting yesterday, First uh, John 4, 1, test all spirits. You have to be careful of those we relate with because there are charlatans, 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 fake people everywhere. All that all of us will take it and be as circumspect as we should be. Like those members of that interview panel, that all of us will pay attention and ask ourselves, and ask ourselves, what can I, what question can I ask? What inquiries can I make to be sure uh, that I'm actually dealing with a genuine person, with a genuine person here? And then I want to talk about this. This is something that we did not put on the notice, but something so uh, so important. Okay, I just keep that. That, that. that should have been the second, uh, the second, uh, the second item for this one this morning. Saying the quiet parts out loud. Saying the quiet parts out loud. You know when Americans say that, they say that. Oh, this person is saying out the quiet part. You know, the quiet part would be things that are true, are probably real. The real motivations for an action that people don't ordinarily disclose, right? For example, if uh, some people were trying to, to, to con you into entering into a business transaction, uh, there's something they would not say out loud because it will give them away. But sometimes people just, uh, some people call it the Freudian sleep, the Freudian sleep where I just find uh, people saying out, saying out what was not intended to be said out 
or rather saying things that give them away for who they really are and what their real motivations are. And this this is what came to my mind when I read of this so-called socialite, a Kenyan socialite who has opened up on the number of tattoos she has on her body and the significance of the tattoos to her. So I see a picture of this lady on Linda Ikeji blog official on Instagram. I came across it and I read the story and I said to myself, is there anyone out there who is not paying attention, who is not paying attention to what is happening? This is like like uh, the Bible coming through in our in our eyes, in our very in, in in our own very time. This lady said that she she was questioned about the many tattoos on her body, and she said, "Look, I get tattoos of my ex boyfriends when they die." when they die, uh, meaning that once a, a former boyfriend dies, then she will go and get a tattoo of that boyfriend on her skin. And you have to, you have to ask yourself, what sort of sick, what sort of sick, uh, sick pastime would that be? And I mean, God helps anyone out there who is, so, who is simple enough to consider that as just a sick pastime. And I know that so the people would think from purely secular point of view, or people would say, look, it's not that deep. Don't think it that deep. Don't, don't, don't bring uh, religious connotations. They say, look, just a pastime. Uh, just, she's just weird. She's just, she just has a weird way of doing things. According to this report, it says that uh, the, contro- the controversial influencer in a new YouTube interview revealed that she always gets tattoos of her ex-boyfriends apologies for that that she always gets the tattoos of her ex-boyfriends when they die she said quote i have 19 tattoos in total 11 are of my ex i got my first tattoo immediately when my when my ex-boyfriend died the most inspiring tattoo i have is of my best friend's face i tattoo my ex-boyfriends when they die Shaquilla, that's her name, also revealed that she has lost count of the men she has slept with. Did you hear that she has lost count of the men she has slept with? The self-proclaimed queen of the streets further disclosed that she will run mad if she starts to count the number of sexual partners that she has had. I don't know my body count. No body count is the is the slang in 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 secular culture nowadays. Uh, the body count is the is the slang in secular culture nowadays uh, for the number of sexual partners that the that the person has had. And they say, well, what's your what, what's your body count? Some people say my body count oh, 10, my body count twenty, my body count five, my body count two. And I, oh god, uh, that's how horrible the culture is. I do hope that you do not have a body count uh, that you are faithful to your partner as the Lord wants you to be. She said, I don't know my body count. If I start counting, I will honestly run mad, but I don't remember honestly. But that's even beside the issue. Uh, what caught my attention is uh, this sick pastime, what some, so what some people call a weird thing to do uh, of, a, of a lady uh, said to be a socialite in Kenya who tattoos on her body uh, ex-boyfriends when they die. When they die, well, you, you call me, you call on me, uh, call on me to... Uh, too spiritual. You color me. Um, and I'm sorry, the, the word just escaped me. You you color me superstitious. But I'll tell you, this is somebody who is saying out loud that where she feasts on her ex-boyfriend, she feasts on the blood of her ex-sexual partners. Don't be simple. Don't be so simple as to say, no, that cannot be. 
that is somebody saying out the quiet part out loud. No wonder uh, that in Proverbs 2, in Proverbs 2, the adulteress, the adulteress is described as the one who leads people to death. You, you, you know what Proverbs 2, 16 to 19 says from the New International Version, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before the Lord. Surely her house leads down to death and her path to the spirits of the dead. None will go to her return or attain the path of life. And that, that's from Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, especially verse 18. Surely her house leads down to death and her path to the spirits of the dead. I do pray uh, that wisdom will will prevail in, in your affairs, that wisdom will prevail in my affairs, that neither you uh, nor me will be become entangled with the adulterous woman or even with the adulterous man, right? That neither you or me will become entangled with the adulterous woman or the adulterous, adulterous man. This is a lady said to be a socialite saying that she tattoos on her skin uh, the faces of her boyfriends when they die. That is out there, uh, the quiet part of our being demonic, being devilish. That's the quiet part being said out loud. Say, look, I, I sleep with them. I've lost count, but you know, baby, everyone, everyone, I, every one of them I sleep with, I know will eventually die because well, that's the evil covenant. And when that is done, I tattoo the person's name or face on my skin. Hmm. As a trophy of sort, right? May the Lord keep us and may wisdom, may wisdom rule in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very much for joining us this morning for On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives on News and Current Events. I hope to see you tomorrow by God's grace. Whatever you do today, please remain firmly on the Lord's Side. You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 And now yes, coming up next, we have a replay of yesterday's meeting of the Reader's Club. Remember yesterday at the Reader's Club at, at 8 p.m., we read that chapter titled Talkative. Uh, so we have a replay of that and a replay of the chapter titled... Yeah, the chapter before that, which I should just keep in mind right now. Okay, so uh, do, do stay with us now for the replay of the chapter titled Talkative. And after that, you if you are still with us and do we do hope that you stay with us. After that, you will have a discussion of uh, the chapter before that, which we discussed on on Saturday. We had interesting meetings on Saturday and Sunday. Christian meets faithful on Saturday. Yeah, Christian meets faithful. That encounter between Christian and faithful, and the encounter uh, of Christian and faithful with with the man called talkative. God bless you. God bless you. Remember that if you want to listen to past 
a recording of the meetings of the Readers Club, you can just go to our website, gospelbestreader.com. You will find uh, right there uh, a link, a box that says Readers Club. Just, just, just click on it and you can listen to any of the past episodes. God bless you, really good. God bless you, really good.